Hey listeners, and welcome back to the show. What a fun resource we have for you guys today. Mark Ostrom is the executive director of Joy Collaborative. Joy Collaborative is a nonprofit partnership that connects designers, architects, and builders with donors, volunteers, and sponsors. By doing this, they come together and create a unique and personal space for the disability and special needs community. These are not your ordinary spaces. These spaces are beautifully designed and one of a kind, custom to each child's needs and interests. Please check out all of their beautiful work on their website that will be linked in our show notes. You will not regret it. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to follow us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in this corner, Eddie Gagnon, and in the opposite corner, Kristen Gagnon. This is what's special about special. Uh, I wanted to say that. Well, hello there. My name's Eddie Gagnon. Eddie, I don't want to be here all night Welcome and thank you for joining us My name's Eddie Gagnon (laughs) That was perfect (laughs) Kristen Your voice (laughs) You know guys, my life is hectic Working full time from home Virtual homeschool, podcasting And really just being an awesome mom and wife Grocery shopping is the last thing I want to do I'm not ashamed. No, I'm proud to say I rely heavily on Instacart to deliver fresh groceries to our home. Instacart delivers in as fast as one hour. I even get a personal shopper to get all of my favorite groceries, so I know it's always right. Right now, Instacart is offering our listeners free delivery on their first order over $35. By following the link in our show notes, you are helping support our show as well. And isn't that just a win-win-win? All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have Mark Ostrom. He's an executive director of Joy Collaborative. Hi, Mark. Thanks for talking with us. I'm excited to be here. Eddie's very excited about this interview. (laughs) So this is going to be great. And um, I'm sure we can get right into, uh, we'll get into why I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So Joy Collaborative, it's, you guys are building homes for kids with life-limiting medical conditions, correct? Well, we're not building homes. We're doing renovations. Perfect. See, I knew it. I told you. She's like, <laughs> they're building homes. I was like, are they building homes or they're renovating? Because, uh... Oh, Eddie knows a lot about s- that right now. Yeah. That's, like, <laughs> that's the exact thing I'm doing. Cool. So. so before we get into Joy Collaborative, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mark. Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yep. So I grew up in Minneapolis. I live in Minneapolis. I hope they don't bury me in Minneapolis, but I do love <laughs> my town immensely. Um, but I, you know, I started out as a really creative kid, um, growing up and, um, eventually went to school, uh, for music education because I really, really enjoy being around kids and like to see them succeed. But uh, by the time I got to kind of maybe my senior year, there weren't a lot of jobs available unless you went to some far flung location and being a city kid that didn't have a lot of appeal. So um, took some time off, did a couple of, you know, odd jobs. And, and what led me into design is I had a, I had a, 
a very good friend who, um, if you happen to remember the Benetton stores that were huge back in maybe the 80s, 90s, uh, she was a, a director of store of retail. And uh, we went to a couple of their store openings and <clears throat> I'd make comments about layout or lighting or acoustics or something. She's like, <laughs> you, you need, you, you need to either work for me or go to school and figure out what this is for you because you have a knack for it. So, and, and, and architecture and things like that were things I was exploring at the time anyway. So, um, went back to the university, um, was more concerned about you know, interiors than I, you know, people experience than I was about architecture. So went through that program, um, loved it, uh, worked in Minneapolis for a number of years, firms from very small firms to very, very large firms. Um, and, uh, and just really enjoyed the experience of creating space along with other people and, um, got to the point where I am now because of economics. So, you know, having having ridden out um, a recession or two, um, I, I just got really tired of that because, um, you know, we'd, we'd build up our firms, we'd build up our, our colleagues, and then it would just evaporate and sink. And it, and it would just that cycle of going up and down just it, it just was I mean, it's not it's not a great ride for anybody. And so I took some time and just did some introspection and, and wanted to figure out. You know, I know I have a place in the design world. Um, I, I think I'm a pretty creative person, um, but I can't do it this way anymore. So what can I do to, to, you know, maybe take a little bit more control and put my hands on the steering wheel? So um, I looked back on, you know, favorite, favorite moments kind of of my personal life and, and professional life and put a couple things together. One was... Um, uh, you may have heard the, of the Rainforest Cafe, yeah. uh, which is <laughs> which the first one was here in, in Minneapolis in Bloomington at the Mall of America. And I got to work on that project and it was, you know, super fun and it was a stretch creatively. And obviously it, it had a lot of legs and now it's owned by Disney and, and whatnot. But, you know, just just to, to have worked on that project and see what experience design did for people um, was really monumental. Partner that then with when I was going to design school, um, I was lucky enough to work in the insurance office. And I bet there aren't many people who probably say they're lucky to work in insurance, but um, as parents, you probably feel very much not that way. But um, but I worked in the dental school for the cleft palate clinic. So the cleft palate where your upper lip doesn't mm -hmm. fuse and it was very complicated surgery. We had a really cool clinician um, director who brought together all these different kinds of services. So we had dentistry, we had we had surgery, we had physical therapy, behavioral therapy, all this kind of stuff, which became very expensive for the patients who went through that program. Oh, for and sure. And it was my job to monitor the insurance claims. And you can imagine this was, you know, pre-internet. So the stack of paperwork was ginormous and both dental and medical would deny families mm -hmm. services or claims. Yep. And, um, and so it was, it became a real challenge and I, I just took it on and I really enjoyed it. And we, you know, we'd bring a family in and say, Hey guys, we, you know, we got your $10,000 claim paid or whatever. And, you know, tears start flowing yeah. because there's all these other pressures happening at home best day ever so that, i feel like that's like huge that you just said that it's it's easy for us parents on our side to just feel like we don't have anyone fighting for us on the other side of it and i spend so much time on the phone with insurance companies or advocates and yep. it's good to know that there's there is somebody on the other side sometimes <laughs> fighting fighting to help you and take care of things for you 
Well, it was, you know, it started out as a, it's a really overwhelming job because, well, one, you have to learn all the codes in this book that's two inches thick. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to become familiar with what they mean. Um, but then you also have to start, you know, almost building relationships with the various companies. Right. And after some time, then you start kind of getting into a groove. But but even so, I mean, you get these, you know, various companies that, you know, demanded these huge packets. I mean, it was ridiculous the amount of work that it would take to build these sort of cases. Yeah. And, um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, got to know these families because they were in the clinic for a long time mm-hmm. and, um, and just got to know them personally. Well, you know, that doesn't take long and I'm a huge softie. So you know, <laughs> meet a family who's in trouble or, you know, a kid who really needs help and, you know, I'm there. So, um, so it was, it was kind of putting those two things together and, and I, I was like, all right. I had gone through a couple of entrepreneurship programs trying to figure out what this business really is. And, and once I figured it out, it just clicked that, you know, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I just didn't figure out how to do it. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and so I started, I was like, well, I'm not going to jump ship. I'm going to figure out how to do this. So I started doing nights and weekends. I took on some projects. I started with Make-A-Wish and, um, and that led to Ronald McDonald and Shriners and a bunch of others. But, but the, 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 I think this cool problem that we're solving is that Make-A-Wish doesn't really promote um, space design or renovations of any kind. They're, you right. know, they're really more about the the celebrity experience, the, the, the cruise to some exotic location. And I was more interested in, you know, what's a permanent solution? Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, what's because something that this family can use all that, the time? They assume that like with Make-A-Wish, I think sometimes the assumption is it's, it's a once in a lifetime thing and Yes, a lot of these kids have, you know, life-threatening conditions and maybe they have a year left. But a lot of the kids that get Make-A-Wishes, it's not that scenario. This is an opportunity. They've maybe had lots of hospitalizations in one year and this is an opportunity for them to get something. And so what you're doing is really kind of a different take on that where they're getting a a long-term kind of wish in a way. Right. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they used to only serve kids with chronic diagnoses right. and that has changed in the last year or two. But even so, um, they're, they're just not set up to do this kind of work. I mean, it's just, it's just how they're set up. They're, mm-hmm. they're more about, you know, having those contracts with the franchises or whoever right. it is to, to do those experiences. And that's what they want to do. That's awesome. I mean, the kids that, that it works for. Bring it on. That's for sure. That's an incredible thing. This is just a different way to answer a different set of problems. Yeah. Love it. So, you know, it really seems like you've, you know, now melded your past in design along with kind of a little bit of your experience working in the clinic all into one thing, which is really neat. I think it's hard, I think, for all of us to just think like, what do we want to do where we feel fulfilled? And it's really cool that you've found a way to kind of meld it all together. It's it's great to hear you say that. I appreciate that, Kristen, because it <laughs> it's it's taken me a very long time. I, somebody asked me the other day, how long have you you know wh- how long have you wanted to do this? And I realized that it was almost I think maybe in college that I had this idea of just focusing on pediatric design. And th- there really wasn't. I found one woman in Israel who was doing this work, and I thought, well, then that can't be a thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, there just weren't any role models, and so and so I just kind of you know just put it to the wayside and went through the regular track that you know, all my 
you know, colleagues are doing. And, and that was fine. And I had a great experience and learned a ton. Um, but it just got to a point where I'm like, there's something else. I knew there was something else. Um, and I just, it just took me a, a number of years to figure it out. So now, you know, now we're a nonprofit. Um, we're focusing on spaces for, for youth with life limiting conditions. So, so we started out originally with that being just medical conditions, but again, it comes back to, to Marcus the softy, but, um, <laughs> there's so many kids that can be helped if we open that up a little bit. So if we, if we describe, if we define a life limiting condition as a medical diagnosis, but then also consider things like homelessness and poverty, there's nobody that I can talk to that would disagree that that's a life limiting condition. For so sure. right. um, that brings us to different kinds of opportunities. So, so we'll do, we will do projects for individual families, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just serving an individual, individual family, but then we're also going to be serving programs um, that are aimed at um, kids in those other buckets. Oh, that's really awesome. Cause I mean, I know here we're in an inner city as well. And so often I think it gets overlooked when there is like, we have a house that is for battered women who have gone mm-hmm. as a respite and there's not a lot of support for them. I mean, there is, there's food mm-hmm. and there's shelter and that's kind of where it ends. And a lot of these kids, whether they're in fo- the foster system or homeless or, you know, there's a, a mother that's running from something. A lot of these kids have some either mental health issues or physical or, or some sort of disabilities. And after birth to three, there's not a lot of support for them. Like you're saying, like, I mean, when we were in birth to three or early intervention, it was a lot easier for us to get support, even when it came Mm -hmm. down to equipment, Right. there was borrowed equipment and there was a lot of sharing after three years old you're kind of on your own at that point. And so I think it's really cool that especially for these families that are in any sort of facility or anything to have some other supports for their kids because they're probably not getting it in the school system or outside the way that they need. Yeah, if they're at school at all. I mean, exactly. there's, a, there's a great deal of trauma that's happening before these kids ever ever get to where it is that they're getting help. Exactly, right. yeah. Right. Exactly. There might be a family history of trauma that they're just trapped in. You know, they right. might not know anything else. And they, you know, we're, we're gearing up to do a project for a homeless shelter for kids. And, and one of the program directors said, you know, I might be the only person that this kid will has ever met that they can trust. Wow. So if we can get them there through amazing space and change their outlook and change their trajectory, I mean, that is, how can we put a price tag on that? I mean, that is so important. Well, and And statistically, it's pretty much proven at this point that play is so integral in a child's development. And so if you can offer that space for them to have that creativity and free thinking and, and open play, you're you're just adding so much value to their life. Absolutely. And that and what that's gonna do, what that's gonna do is that's gonna help with bonding. Exactly. And because that's what they again, need. Again, these people are going through trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And we're trying to get them, you know, it'd be great if we can heal that, you know, that'd be wonderful, but there's going to be a number of them where that's just not possible. Yeah. Well, and I think it does connect. It does. Yeah, exactly. And it does connect well with the disabilities or special needs community because, you know, it's not the same type of trauma, but I mean, we've even seen it in our household and we've been very lucky, but there's a level of trauma that comes with like a level of PTSD that comes with having to have multiple surgeries and going in and out of the hospital. Yeah. So, you know, that 
that just to have a safe space, a comfortable space that's yours where you can be free and yourself is, is, is like you said, is priceless. Well, and you know, I, I think it was this, you know, this cleft palate clinic experience where I got to meet these families and understand the stresses that they were under or the resources that they didn't have or both. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, you know, some of them were struggling maybe to both have an income. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the mounting medical bills. Um, you know, doing a renovation at home is probably not high on their list because they no. probably don't have the spitfire to do it. For right. sure. Yeah. I mean, I know for even for us, like we're, we're so lucky that we like that I have Eddie and we own a construction business. And, and that's something that obviously is like, right. It's like having a someone who fixes cars, right. Living in your house when your car breaks down. But yeah. even with that, I mean, we don't even have a ceiling right now. <laughs> like, so because our priorities yeah. are working or getting this yep. done or doctor's appointments, so, yeah. you know, yep. we, you know, when we have a free moment, honestly, in our household, when we have a weekend off, we're, getting in the car and going on a road trip and trying to make positive memories to just relax. Right. Yeah. It's not, Oh, Hey, let's work on the house this week. <laughs> and yeah. and financially it's, it's when, you know, it's when we first started this podcast, we did a crowdfunding and I did a lot of research on like why this would be important, why it's important to bring these resources to the community. And one of the biggest things were that this community hands down, I think it was like three, like 200% more than the average family and just costs, whether that's medical costs or mm -hmm. therapy or whatever it might be. The loss of income. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. usually there's one parent that's not working yeah. to, mm -hmm. in order to make, like when we had little Eddie, yep. I didn't start working until he was maybe three because those mm -hmm. first few years yeah. was just yeah. appointment after appointment after it was impossible yep. to work full time. But yep. so, and, and again, we've had it very lucky as far as, I don't know the word mild is the best word, but it's been easier for us than it has for other families that we know. So when we I feel mean, like it's been easier, yeah, we always open up with, I feel like <laughs> I it's been easier for us. It probably situation. hasn't. We just think you it can't is. Argue that stuff. I know. It's but, all relative. <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, we definitely have friends that have said to us, like, I'm not going to get like, they've had the same boyfriend for 15 years and they're like, we're, we're not getting married because financially, it's going to hurt us. And you think, you know, somebody else might go, Oh, they're living off the system, but really they're just trying to survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can't really yeah. judge them for that. You know, they're doing what they can right. and just make it all work. And yeah. it's, it's scary sometimes. And so having an opportunity like this for some families must just mean everything. Yeah. That's why we're getting divorced next week. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> just between the three of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we won't um, let the IRS know. Listen, if anybody listens, wall. they're probably assuming we're getting divorced at any point. <laughs> <laughs> no shock. So to back up a little bit, tell us, about Joy Collaborative and, and really what it's doing right now. So again, it's, um, you know, I, I started doing the work and um, just again, nights and weekends, because I felt it was the right thing to do for me. I needed that because um, it was a great way to connect kids. It was a great way to create some, you know, really address some, some needs that I saw. Um, and then it was about maybe two years ago that we started talking about, well, this needs to be a thing. Yeah. Like this needs to move away from just a, a creative outlet and this needs to be more of a business. And so um, nonprofit was definitely the direction it wanted to go. And um, going through that paperwork, I wouldn't wish on anybody. But if you need help, call me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> staying away from the it right for now. Because it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, um, but, but it was... 
it, it quickly became something, you know, um, it became something that was clear that, that I wanted to do all of a sudden it was kind of the, you know, the clouds open and it was clear what, what wanted to happen. So, you know, we formed a board about a year, year and a half ago and they, you know, were really the advisors at the, at the early stages. And then we got our 501 status and, and for me, the last year, I would say, I mean, outside of doing projects has really been about, um, the foundation, creating the foundation of the organization, making sure that it's solid, that we're doing things for the right reasons, that we are accountable, that we are transparent, right. um, yeah. and that we, and that this is a business. And I, I get, I get really upset because I've talked to enough people in nonprofit who, you know, there's kind of this, oh, poor me kind of, you know, handout kind of approach. And, and, yeah. and I'm all about the impact. Like this is amazing, yes. powerful work here, people. Yeah. Like this needs to get recognized and this needs to get promoted. So, you know, I, I'm not going to have this approach of, you know, a handout that's just, yeah. I, I'm not interested in that. And that, and this, the people that we're serving, I don't think want to be served in that way either. So, right. well, that's um, a huge thing. Like we, I've seen it firsthand. I was on the board of directors of a nonprofit that should not be named and they were great and they meant well, but they did exactly what you're saying. They did not run it like a business. I mean, there were many times that I had like serious conversations in the middle of a board meeting where I was like, this isn't going to work because mm-hmm you're only going to get so far. You can't grow it. You can't, you can't do the impact that you really want to make. And I think approaching it like a business, you're now able to say to anyone who's going to collaborate with you, Hey, this is also benefiting you in X, Y, and Z way. You're getting exposure. Look at the positive impact you're making in the community. That's how you work as a business. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think that that almost marketing kind of, catch at it is, is, is huge. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a richer, it becomes a richer story. So, I mean, it, it, it was, I remember one of the, one of the light bulbs that went off, I was doing a lot of business development for a company I was working for. And, you know, we would go off and we would do a, you know, a night where you're packing food or something like that. And <clears throat> bring a bunch of, you know, design people from my, you know, network together to do kind of that, you know, feel good kind of, you mm-hmm. know, is, is important work, but we got done and everybody's kind of looking at each other like, well, that was all right. Yeah. And I'm like, what if we could like do a real physical project? Yeah, step it up. Like, and then it was like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So, so it was. So now, what Joy Collaborative is all about is is teaming with trained architects, interior designers, contractors, the vendors to to dig into the functional issues of space and make these renovations, make these changes at no cost to those that we serve. So we are, you know, we're, we bring in the caregivers to a project, any healthcare providers that's relevant to the, whoever we're talking about, whether that's mental health or physical health, siblings, family, to really make sure we get a well-rounded picture of, of what lays ahead of us. And, and we're also, I'm a big fan of data. So we do pre and post occupancy <laughs> surveys so we can assess our impact. So, so again, you know, I come back to it as more of a business and, you know, we are, yes, there's a, there's an incredible feel good part about it, especially, um, you know, for my architecture and design friends who would like to do something that's a little bit more soul touching, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, than maybe doing a tenant space, not that people don't need quality workspace, but, um, it's just a different way for them to use, um, their skills. I mean, I'm, awesome. I'm so impressed and I feel like I just have to make sure that we're doing justice. When you're saying you're renovating these spaces, your space is extremely beautiful too. 
aesthetically. Like this isn't just a workable space and maybe we're making wider doorways. The photos I saw and the videos I saw of what you guys are doing is, is so impressive. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's aesthetically usable for the person that's going to be living or using the space. And it was, it was actually impressive. The thought that goes into each space, it's, it's not just, oh, okay, we're making another accessible space. It's really a personal experience, which I think, you know, I'm, I'm so impressed by. Thank you. I mean, we, you know, my, <clears throat> you can talk to designers who can do things all day long to make things look better. Um, I'm really much more interested in the functional reasons why things aren't working to support whoever it is. Mm. So we spend a lot of time. I mean, I mean, a, a typical project for us might take four months from, from initial interview to completion. And that I would say a good chunk of that first month, and this is not, you know, eight to five, but I'm saying, you know, we'll, we're going to spend a month diving into what are the problems. Right. Um, we can dive into design and you can jump on Pinterest right now. Mm -hmm. That's great. You go do that. Um, but I don't want to lead us down a path um, that doesn't work. Yeah. You want a functional right. so, space that's going to last for right, more right. than just six months. Right. So I, I appreciate your comments. I mean, I mean, that is, you know, once we can get through that stuff and get the functional stuff figured out, then we can start layering on things that, you know, are either, you know, more calming or more exciting or whatever it happens, whatever's relevant to that, you know, program. Right. Oh, it's, it is awesome. It's an awesome project. So tell it, where is Joy Collaborative located? Is it right where you are? Like, are you, is it just local right now? We are based in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities. So for this year, uh, we are focusing all of our projects within 50 miles of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Mm -hmm. um, that will change in the next calendar year um, when I know we're going to start going beyond that. So, um, you know, I, I was talking to a friend the other day about, you know, somebody called me from Atlanta and said, hey, we've got this, you know, special needs girl and this all of this, you know, would be great for you guys to do a project. Our assets right now are strongest where we sit. Right. And yeah. the my again going back to the business, the 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 worst thing that we could do is overpromise and under underdeliver. Oh, and for so, sure. And, and so for so for this next calendar year, it's all about delivering exceptional projects, and then we can go beyond that. But I know that we can control and we can manage and we can deliver with within our boundaries right now because that's where our network is strongest. Nice. Well, um, sorry. When it comes to, I mean, I think it's insane. I think 50 mile radius is huge as it is. That's just we like, can do it. You got, cool. I know it's impressive. Um, who specific, like, how is someone reaching out to get help from joy collaborative or to become yep. partner in it? Yep. So we're, um, just to kind of take into your, into your last comment, we're on, we're on track to do 10 projects this year, Wow. which is basically starting one a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really excited about that because it's only March, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to know we've got projects lined up probably through the fall is, is very exciting. <laughs> I'd be um, excited if we had 10 projects lined up, <laughs> <laughs> but, but for, like you know, we, we do have a referral start. form on our website so people can self-refer. Um, you know, we are, we are a known entity at, at a number of the children's hospitals. So their, you know, child life or their physicians mm -hmm. can refer to us. Oh, that's awesome. But I would say the majority of our projects are coming in organically from friends or people who've heard about us from other friends. Yeah. Um, and I love that. That's, that's really great. Not that we would, you know, I mean, I, I want to open us up to any project that's, that's right. valid. Well, honestly, like <laughs> the special needs or disabilities community as parents, I can tell you right now, 
it's amazing. I have more connections or, or quote unquote friends in our little community that I'm always like, Oh, I can get this person this, or I can help this person get, I mean, that's why we started the podcast, right? Cause we had such a community we wanted to connect with where if you ask me like who I talked to from high school or I'm like, I don't know, nobody like Mm -hmm. it's just become, it's not only has it become my network, it's become my social group. It's become my support group. So yeah, we're always like pushing each other service here, you know? Yeah. We're always pushing each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's another reason why for you guys, it's great. Cause I'm sure when you do one, they're telling everybody. Yep. (laughs) That's great. Um, I mean, we, we just had a, we just had a, a reveal, uh, event last Friday, which was a couple days ago. And, um, and this boy had, um, cystic fibrosis and ADHD. So he has to sit for an hour plus or minus every day. Oh, goodness. But ADHD got in the way for him to just sit and calm down. And, and, um, and we got that project actually through the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. They found out about us, called us, said, hey, we'd like to do a project with you guys. Um, we've identified this family that has a very small home and they're not going to be able to, you know, do anything on their own. Could you come in and help? And so, um, you know, the, the, the crazy part of this is we started that project uh, November before COVID <clears throat> and Lifetime Fitness was one of the key sponsors. And, um, because he had cystic fibrosis, which was, oh, a nobody can condition. come in the house. There was no way we were going to do anything in March when we were ready to go. So, so it's just a thrill now that we were able, I mean, this kid stayed, it's, it's a lower level space. He stayed upstairs for at least a month oh. while we were through construction. And so we were just able to, to take him through it on Friday. And um, we did a virtual reveal, which was our first and, and fun. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it, just some great responses, you know, can we do it again? How can I help? Blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that, that level of engagement, once you, I think, can see it, um, you know, if you saw the space beforehand, which was raw concrete and barely walls and no ceiling, you know, to something that that is really fun that had, you know, an AV component that had special lighting that had a custom wall graphic that was done by Minnesota United. So our, our kid, Finn, was a big is a big soccer fan. And Minnesota United is, is our local team. And and they jumped in and did a, a custom wall graphic for him that included his, you know, his number and his name on the back. And, oh, that's and really it just, cool. It just blew his mind. So um, but now he's got a nice, quiet space. That's it. We called it the breakaway for soccer, soccer fans. <laughs> and um, it's just a spot where he can break away and he can, you know, just relax and he can, you know, or he can do schoolwork or he can have friends over. So, I mean, it's it's multifaceted in that way. And that's the thing. And I feel like these spaces that... Like you said, like these spaces, they'll grow with him. You know, it's a space that he can utilize for years, which I think, especially right now with COVID is just so important. I mean, for like for our little Eddie, it's just been, it's been tough to like do virtual schooling and can't be, and he's so social and can't be social. And then they got the ADHD and we're just jumping around. And I'm like, I'm pulling my hair out. If he had a safe space where Mm -hmm. he can just, you know, do whatever makes him comfortable. It's, it's such a neat experience. I think I, I'm, I'm so impressed and excited to hear about what you guys kind of continue to do. Yeah, it's, because it's a, it's a great feeling to wake up every day to know that you're going to, you know, help some family or help some kid along the way. It's 
pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> Do you want your own space? Oh my God. No. Oh, you want <laughs> like to make the, it? Yeah, no, like of the work, like to yeah. be creative, like... I can't tell you how many times I go to like estimates and stuff and I'm like, you know what we can do with this space? And they're like, well, uh, no, we, we just want to put like, you know, a couple cabinets here. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> the, yeah. the, what I was envisioning, it was like way better, but let's do what you want to do. <laughs> your house. You're their only paying. <laughs> I know. They're actually paying. So well, you know, it's, it's kind of the beauty of it. It's like, you know, we get this, we get this really cool, you know, kind of entwinement between, you know, this person who needs help or this group that needs help. We've got this design community who would love to do something that's maybe a little bit more engaging. <laughs> right. And because our projects are sort of short term, they get to see the results fairly quickly. I mean, I was working on projects. It would be years before we saw, you know, the final solution. Right. So, well, and you're, um, and you're typically only renovating a room, correct? Or is it? Like how, how is your renovations typically? It's really project dependent. It depends on the organization. We try to keep them under a certain square footage right. and level of complexity. So we're not moving plumbing walls. We're not moving load bearing walls. You know, we're, okay. we need spaces that primarily are sort of are finish ready so we can come in and do this work because we can't. I, I can't lean on contractors to mm -hmm. come in and do that kind of work at, at no cost. That's just right. That's well, right. and you want to have a turnaround time. If you want to complete 10 projects in a year, then you need, you need to be able to turn it around fairly right. quickly. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's absolutely right. So, um, I forgot the question. No, no, there wasn't really one. We <laughs> were just kind of. <laughs> I was kind of like how big, how big or small. Yeah. Yeah. Scale. So, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, so the, uh, the the um homeless teen center that I mentioned I think what we're going to end up doing because it's a space that um sort of was cobbled together over time I think they've been in business for more than 50 years which is fantastic and they've been growing um but the spaces aren't necessarily contiguous and there are right. different floors and they're serving different kinds of areas of their population. So I think what we're going to end up doing, I, my fingers are crossed that we'll end up doing sort of a master plan and then we'll pick away, you know, maybe there'll be three phases and we'll phase those in over time. That's a good idea. Um, because to do them all at once, I think is going to be really disruptive for a yeah. group that, you know, doesn't need that. Right. I was going to say they, they need the least disruption possible probably. Yeah. 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 So how are you connecting with contractors or companies to help get this work done? Um, I keep a list of designers and we've got more designers that we can probably give projects to right now, which is awesome. Wow. Um, usually they're connected to contractors. Um, yeah. I know a number of them, but they, they come through the, the one for Finn that we just did. This is their second or third project and they're looking for more. So that's wow. just fantastic. Um, and then as far as, you know, organizations, um, what we're, what we're doing now, which I find really exciting is, um, expanding beyond just sort of this, this just renovation as a one and done kind of experience. Mm -hmm. So in, in the case of, <clears throat> um, boys and girls club, we're looking at doing the boys and girls club, um, in South Minneapolis, which happens to be just a couple blocks from the George Floyd site. So it's a, it's definitely an underserved neighborhood. Right. There are, there are kids who are failing at school. 
Um, there are parents who have no eyes on their kids and I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just saying this is the reality. No, yeah, yeah. no, it's the reality here where we are too. Yeah. Okay. And so they're, they're not, you know, these kids are not being drawn to this program and that is hugely unfortunate yeah. um, because they have great resources. So we're talking to a couple of the local sports franchises about, can you bring, let, let's do a couple things. Maybe you guys bring some coaches in once in a while. Yeah. And help these kids and get them excited about being in this place. Because what we're trying to do is get them into the building. The yes. building has not been renovated in at least 30 years. There is no kid I know who would step into that space and go, yeah, I want to spend time here. I mean, it is sad. And well, it is they want to see and something cool and, and worth leaving, you know, leave, leaving a computer or phone or an iPad to go do. No, I mean, there. I wish. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, it needs... And that's what the exciting part about it, about working with other nonprofits is, is like, you know, they've stretched themselves as far as they can go. Right. And they, but they need to not be worrying about the stuff that I want to worry about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They want to worry about getting these kids in. And then if the, if the kids aren't doing well in school, if they're not even coming into the building, so they don't get access to these resources, we're not helping. No, and right. so what can we do around this renovation? Can we bring in a sports franchise? Maybe we start doing esports teams. Maybe there's other things that we can do to start telling stories about the successes that these kids are going to have. Oh, that, because, I think I'm like yeah. jealous. I'm going to move to Minneapolis, except for it's way <laughs> too cold for me. It's too cold for me here in New England. So I won't be coming there. But I'm, oh, it, seriously, that. it is... It's such a great opportunity for these kids. I mean, we see it here. We, I mean, living in an inner city and our kids going to public schools, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that we have that opportunity. But I see it. I see kids whose parents mm-hmm. aren't home. They work two jobs and they're not home during the day and they're not home at night. And, you know, especially right now, like virtual schooling is a joke for them. Really, it's not something that they can. It's not their priority. And I don't blame them. Their priority is putting food on the table and a roof right. over their head. Right. And if you're let's say you're the oldest teen in the house, you're all of a sudden responsible. You're now an adult. Yeah. So exactly. now all of a sudden you're responsible and you may, may or may not be participating in school mm-hmm. and that we just can't have that. And no. we can't have, you know, a bunch of kids failing out of school, you know, two years into COVID. That's just, oh, yeah. that's just not going to work. Now you have so. got kids on the street. I mean, they're going to turn into kids that are on the street at that point. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so this space will have, I mean, it'll, they'll definitely be, you know, it'll be, I, I don't know what it's going to be. Right. Um, I don't want to project anything, no. but it's going to be a very exciting, flexible space for kids to have one-on-one mentorship in a very quiet situation. We're going to have group work. We're going to have podcasts going on. We're going to have esports happening. I mean, it's going to be a thriving magnet space. That that is that is our goal right now. I love that you're thinking beyond just building the space. Mm-hmm. That there's more to it. I mean, because it's really easy and and great if someone just came in and said, "Hey, we're going to just renovate this space and we'll paint the walls and it'll look great." And bye. It, I mean, that's still needed in in some of these places. But yep. if you're the fact that you're willing to add the extra element of saying that's not going to be enough, we need to get people to come into the door to utilize this space. How can we do that? And you're being creative and you're thinking outside the box and using the connections you're making right. while doing this project. I think. Is is so necessary and, and really neat and cool and inspiring for anyone. Well, we, we all want a better community to live in. Right. As far as I can tell, yeah. we all want a better community to live in. So if we can take some of our local resources where they have a surplus and bring it in and having it impact in a meaningful way, hey, that's a win. Oh, for sure. How can someone donate to get involved if that's something they were interested in? 
Um, just go to joycollaborative.org in two minutes and hit the donate button. Perfect. That's, <laughs> That's easy. Do it. Or the other thing, you know, if, 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 if we're, you know, if somebody's interested, you know, they, they are interested in creating one of these sort of affiliate, we're calling them affiliate programs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just call me because two things can happen. I can tell you what we've been doing, but I also know that people come with really creative ideas. Right. And I love being able to have those open conversations and just say, you know, what, what is it that you guys are coming with? What can we do to mirror back, you know, and accelerate or accent what it is that you're already doing so that it's not maybe just a room. Maybe there is something that's connected to what it is that you are as a business or a company. Oh, I I think that's great too, to just kind of the fact that you're willing to share what you're doing and help grow this business model for lack of a better word, really. Right. It's, it's a type of a business model in a way, but it's such, you're giving back so much. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? There's such a a need everywhere that you can't have this too much. You can't have too much of it. Right. I mean, that, that is our hope that, that in a, I don't want to say in a year, in a couple of years that this will be a national program. I mean, that, oh, that would be so that, awesome. that's been my goal all along. Um, that's why it's so important for me to build a foundation. That's why it's so important for me to do strong projects before we branch out. So um, I, I, I see this as something that we can replicate elsewhere. And I'm, I'm hope and pray almost yeah. every day that that's something that we're, that we're headed to do. It has, I can see Eddie. Without even looking say, at him, oh my God. dying to get his uh, hands uh, on something like this. I can't wait. All right, Eddie, I got your number. <laughs> so we uh, we specialize in um, you know bathrooms, kitchens, <laughs> remodels. We do decks. Yep. So we do yep. ramps. Um, yep. uh, my my colleague and myself are. Uh, we don't like to brag, but we're <laughs> very talented. Um, <laughs> no, you are. But so, you're creative. Oh. That's the key. Yeah. So I we're feel we're like. both very creative. Um, and and just, we have a lot of time ahead of us. Um, so I think the sooner we get into this, uh, the better. Well, I will say um, so like, I can't wait. I think you're forgetting. Like when we first started thinking about like, what kind of business could we start like years ago before our daughter was born? Bike shop. You wanted a bike shop, but it wasn't just a bike shop. You wanted to the have- bike shop with an after school program because they had a skate park yeah. because then I would have you wanted kids a community come- center. Yeah. Because then Dude, it would be start like- tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Well, the thing oh, is that like cool. we were it in, was, our, be cool. we were inner city kids. Yeah. So we knew what it was mm-hmm. like to grow up and not have, I mean, we, we were the way I look at it. It's like, we just came out lucky. Like yeah. we rolled out of being from an inner city kid. One, we had a solid foundation in our family We're you know, we're privileged in a way, but we were poor. <laughs> there were times that we were in the, the line for the, to get food down at the food mm-hmm. pantry. Like that was my family. And so to think that like, I think for us, we were like, we're going to own something like that's a necessity. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. but we can't just own something without up. giving back. And we've said it many times, like when we wanted that bike shop, it was like, okay, a bike shop in a community center. I'm going to make sure I bring kids off the streets yeah. doing something. Right. And then I would have like a little cafe too. So then you can have <laughs> kids making money, like earning money. And Do then it. it was like, then you have a restaurant. Yeah. And so it was but like, then, then they can learn how to with, cook and serve it. Oh, even yeah. with this business, we've talked about as soon as we're financially in a spot where we, cause we just started the business, but we're in a financial good spot. We were like, once a year, at least we're doing some sort of give back project Projects. because yeah. again, like we know too many people that have been affected by things and gotten those types of projects and it's changed their lives. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I want to keep being a part of something like that because yeah. it's exciting to, 
it's, it's, you know, it's one of those win-wins where you've changed someone's life. It benefits them, but it also, you know, selfishly benefits you a little bit and that's okay. <laughs> I'd rather be selfish it's and benefit to- ourselves. That, that is, I mean, that's one of the legs of the stool here. It's because, you know, this is a great way for to, to build community, not just in a larger community, but like within the design world. So yeah. in a firm, you know, you're dealing with a tough client or you're doing something that you just doesn't really spark your interest. Well, you know, if you get a nasty client, but you know, I can unplug later on and, you know, help Emily with a special whatever. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it will help your day job um, for sure. and it'll get your colleagues excited once they find out what you're doing. Well, so. and working for a company, I mean, I'm sure that you're, it's, it's an easy selling factor to get companies on board to, to work with you. It's the fact that what it must do for morale as a whole, when you work for a company who's willing to give back like this, I know for me, if I'm looking at two companies for a job offer, I'm definitely going to jump on the one that's looking to give back mm-hmm. to the community because their their fingers on the pulse, right? Like they're really paying attention to what's going on and it's not just about them. And that is is priceless. Like it's in a way where like you're going to keep retention of employees. It's it's just going to make a big difference. And I think in the last, you know, the last couple of years being so traumatic for everybody, <clears throat> I think this is definitely going to be more of a focus of building culture yeah. Um, within companies and, and doing that kind of outreach is going to be really critical. I think people who, I mean, you're seeing it in many companies that they don't have any kind of outwardly facing, you know, program to do social good, um, you know, customers yeah. going to go to, you know, the other. Well, so. I think generationally, I think, you know, that gen, the Gen X generation and all of that is their mindset is more about quality over quantity, right? You see that they would prefer to work four day work weeks and get all of the work that you could get done in six days in four days because quality is more important than quantity. And I think that there are companies that are just not on board with that. And they're slowly going to get outrun by the companies that are because they recognize the good that it does for everybody as a whole. When you have a better mental health, you're a better employee. I mean, Absolutely. hands and down. I mean, the, you know, design firms have been doing, you know, good work in the community for a long time. Um, some of it may not have been necessarily related to physical space. So um, this is a great way for them to, to prove kind of what they yeah. do, that, that, you know, this is what they do as a profession. Because, I mean, you know, any volunteer group can come in and do paint and stickers. Right. It's tangible. You know, anybody can yeah. come and do that. Right. But to bring in trained professionals who do this, you know, every day who are, you know, very empathetic because that is that is what we do as designers, that they're going to ask questions that maybe you hadn't thought about, um, you know, in years of problem solving behind them. I think we're going to get, you know, greater quality, you know, product in the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, architects, engineers, their brain works in a way that I can't even understand. Like Eddie's <laughs> Eddie's got an engineer brain. And sometimes I think, how did you even come up with that? You're so creative. I mean, there's a reason why STEM is so important right now, because it really does stimulate your whole entire brain. And if you can sit down with somebody whose brain works that way and say, these are where my struggles are. And then someone can come to you and go, I see your struggles and I have a solution. 100%. I can't even imagine. I mean, there are t- I mean, that actually just happened to us with our son's braces for his legs. The traditional he's so unique in his disability. There's not a lot of kids like him, if any. And we've talked to so many orthotists that have said, oh, the, this is the standard. And it's like, well, the standard doesn't work for him. Mm-hmm. We know what his strengths are. We know what his weaknesses are. And the standard orthotic just isn't going to work. And we met this amazing orthotist who custom drew and custom created this amazing orthotic out of like three different designs. Like 
that's a creative brain that needs to be working Absolutely. in that field, you know? So the more people we can get kind of excited about doing that kind of work and knowing that it's there for them to do, I think mm -hmm. it's exactly what you did in your life. You know, you saw a need and you saw that you had this creativity when it came to design, but also, you know, you have a big heart and you're thinking about others. I think being able to collaborate the two of them is really cool. Yeah, I hope I hope we've got something really unique and um and just the to be able to help on a on a larger scale is gonna be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. stealing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> he but said, we're in Massachusetts. He said we're steal it. Away. Steal yeah. it. <laughs> so you've got you said you've got coming up, you've got about ten projects this year, which is really exciting. Yes. You must have a lot of excited families and yes. communities. Tell us about the fundraiser you've got coming up. It's called Barkitecture which is the neatest name ever. <laughs> architecture is uh, going to be a fundraiser for us. So, so joy collaborative is all about, you know, creative space and we've all been locked up with our pets. If you've got pets for a long time and, uh, and now we're treating our pets very differently. So <laughs> um, much more human than maybe they would have been. Before. Yes, and for so, sure. And so we thought, well, let's let's treat our pets to something creative. So um, so we came up with architecture. So it'll be a fundraiser in June uh, that'll be primarily virtual, some in person um, of pet furniture. So we're going to reach out to our designer <laughs> friends and our creative. We Minneapolis is known for creativity and and all the amazing studio artists we have here, and it's going to be a wide open competition. Um, to support Joy Collaborative and the work that we're doing. So I'm really, really excited um, to be able to to look forward to it, to to see what kind of entries we come in because we know we're gonna get some just choice ones. <laughs> And um, but we're also partnering with um, with Finnegan's Finnegan's Brew Company uh, is here in Minneapolis, and they opened an incredible brew house not long before COVID. And uh, but their their <laughs> business model is they are a nonprofit brewery, so they give their what? profits away to the community and by offering other, other services, which is where they make their income. And, that um, is so cool. and so it's just this great partnership, um, between us and, and I'm super excited where, where, um, uh, you know, I think, I think we'll have some fun surprises for people. That is so neat. Awesome. You should send us some Finnegan's beer. <laughs> <laughs> Your second. Every once in a while we need to chill out, but what, um, I think it's really neat that, especially with COVID, it's, it's almost opened up and allowed things like this, like fundraisers that are virtual to be for anyone can donate, anyone can participate in. So I think it's great that we're able to kind of highlight that and let our listeners know, because I would assume anyone can can jump in, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see Eddie's entry. I know yeah. that'll be coming. It. <laughs> it will and, be. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be the fun part. I mean, you know, originally it was just going to be, we were going to, you know, we were going to do it in some, you know, space where people could get together. And the more we realized that, you know, even in June, people aren't going to be comfortable really yeah. getting together in person. And, and a lot of nonprofit experiences are happening online. So we're just going to focus a good chunk there. Um, but we'll have photographs of all the entries and there will be a competition online and we'll have celebrity judges and we're going to have kid judges. And I, love I mean, it. it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. I think this is, it's such a crazy creative and, and unique way to do a fundraiser because I feel like so many people are doing like a virtual gala or, you know, things like that, which are great. But I, I think it's a lot, it's a really neat way to get people excited about wanting to be a part of something. I hope so. I mean, it's, you know, we'll have opportunities where people just want to, if they just want to donate, you know, and don't need a pet 
furniture piece, that's totally great. But I think we'll find a bunch of different ways that we're going to be able to oh, for sure. to have some fun. I yeah. mean, listen, since COVID, if I see one more dog or cat picture and I've posted more <laughs> than I need to be posting because we're, we're all working from home, right? So I'm working from home now when I was out of the house, probably 50 hours a week. And Mm-hmm. My dogs are, as you could tell, even during this interview, very needy for our attention. And that's only because I'm home all day long with them. Yeah, they get my sure. full love and attention. They've now become just another child. <laughs> okay. So my well, entry yeah. is going to be. So you can't it's, tell anybody it's oh, a secret. Oh. No. <laughs> What's your entry idea? Oh, at the end of the bed. I'm gonna oh, do I know. Like we need something at the end of the bed. So bad. Dogs, so they can be right there too. Stay at off the our end bed. Of the bed. Off Beautiful. the bed. Beautiful. Oh. Great idea. You don't have like little drawers and stuff for like their toys and blankets. Someone's going to steal your idea. Get to building. When when does this episode come out? When are we doing the thing? (laughs) Before the thing. Uh, We'll we'll have it on our website uh, early April is when we'll have everything kind of lined up. And then the event is actually June 5th. But entries are going to be due a couple of weeks before so we can all get them on social and let everybody see them. Perfect. We'll share it all because I'm excited about that. That's really neat. (laughs) Awesome. So we ask all our guests the same thing. If you had a few moments to speak to our community, what type of advice would you give them? I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, and I would just say ask for help. And and I come that come that come at that from the design experience that I mean, at least here in Minnesota, we're we're known as a very philanthropic community. And I think we have people who who'll say yes within reason pretty easily. Um and I think to your, you know, to your audience that, you know, you might be surprised at what they might find if they just ask about a problem that they think is insurmountable or they can't see a way around it. Um, Designers love solving problems like this. Um, Six degrees of separation is not a thing. Mm -hmm. So you could find somebody very talented to help you. Don't, you know, don't run to, you know, you know, you know, maybe a builder store to, to kind of look for answers. I would, I would go to somebody who really has experience, who's been trained in asking questions and, and, you know, not letting you off the hook easy when it comes to answers. Oh, I think that's such great advice because so many times it's, it is really easy to think, oh, I'll just go on Pinterest and I'll figure it out and make it mm-hmm. work for our family. But the reality is like you're saying, I think we forget sometimes that designers are creatives, right? So they think differently than, the typical person does. And when you're creative, you're really thinking about how will this space work for an individual or for a family or a community. And sometimes you'd be surprised by how many people can help out. I think a lot of times people will think, oh, I can't make my house more accessible because I don't have the money or I don't have the means. But the reality is there are a lot of people that are willing to even just explain to you what you can do. To make it a DIY. Or find somebody who can be your advocate. You know, yes. find that Chihuahua person. You you know them mm-hmm. who's just not going to give up, who's going to make sure that those waivers come through or is going to make sure that they can find some cash because you can't afford the raw materials or whatever it is. Yeah. Don't just don't. I, I just I'm a big fan of persistence and you don't have to be obnoxious about it. Yep. I mean, use, I think it's perfect. Like use the same energy you use when you're fighting with an insurance company to get your diapers covered (laughs) that you would to get your house squared away to make it comfortable for everybody. And I think that's huge because I know like even for any of the space he's working on right now, you know, they're creating a therapy type room that's not just for their child, but it's just so that they can have socialization with other parents and other children. And there's a safe, comfortable space for everybody involved, Mm -hmm. which is I know for like when I, when we had Eddie and he was younger, it was huge to know that we 
could go to a space where I didn't have, wasn't full of anxiety. wasn't yeah. cause that was a big, you know, you're walking in full of anxiety. You think, will this mm-hmm. even work for us? Even when we mm-hmm. have friends over to our house, I think if we're going to have a picnic, you know, what if they have a wheelchair, how are we going to help them get into the house? I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable, but some of those things are very simple changes you can make for your own space to make it comfortable. And then you can have everyone come to your space. And now you've got a social group on top of that, which is Absolutely. something we have a difficulty doing in our little world being well, social. We'll get back on top of it. You know, I think there, there's such a, um, the world has such a bias against what people look like. Mm. And, um, you know, we need these kids. Yeah. We need these kids. They've got talents. They're, they are, they are absolutely need to be somebody that we weave into our community and we can benefit from what they bring. And inclusion is a win. So, you know, I, I see what we do as an honor and a privilege to, to hopefully get those kids, you know, to a point of bravery and, and excitement. Doing pretty good. So where can everyone find Joy Collaborative, find yourself re- to reach out if they're looking for more information? Anything you should need to know about is on joycollaborative.org. Perfect. Um, my contact information is in there. Give me a call, email, whatever you need, whatever works best. I'm happy to talk about what we're doing. Awesome. I think I'm, I'm really excited to see what you guys do. I mean, you guys are so new in this process and already and making such an impact. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to see where you guys go and what you guys do. Thank you both. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm, it's, you're an inspiration for sure, Mark. Absolutely. Oh. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get ready when we need a couple of eddies on our uh, projects. <laughs> yeah, you should be I careful. Set the bar, And so I got something to aim for now. That's yeah. what I like. I like I'm a goal driven <laughs> person. <laughs> Well, thanks, Mark. We Perfect. really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, it was a great talk. Thank you both. I love what you guys are doing and the information Get you're out. putting out there is just great. So thank you. Same to you. Thanks, Mark. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please make sure you share with a friend and leave a review. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode on our Facebook or Instagram on at special about special. Thanks again. And we'll see you soon.